Um, but I think we can get through it all. Stop it. <laughs> no. Okay. You know what? No. 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 <laughs> out. Yes. Time out for Cecil's. <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay. Hi, I'm Chris Craft, and I'm the Career Queer. This podcast explores workplace culture through an LGBTQIA lens. Through the course of this podcast, you will hear from freelance writers, campaign fundraisers, editors, human resource professionals, baristas, and much more. Because while about one in five of us are queer, we all have careers. I'm Chris, your host. I use she, her pronouns and identify as bi plus. I've led LGBTQ plus initiatives at a Fortune 500 company, am a recipient of the 2020 McKinsey LGBTQ plus achievement award, and I'm currently a Ramba fellow at the Darn School of Business. This week, I'm so excited to finally have her here. I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and a mentor, and her name is Lisa Maloney-Vince. Lisa, who uses the pronouns she, her, grew up and went to college in Madison, Wisconsin, and moved to St. Paul, Minnesota 27 years ago. In 1996, just after volunteering at the Atlanta Olympics, where she was an usher for badminton. Her first career was that of an English and language arts teacher in McFarland, Wisconsin, in Kiribati in the Central Pacific with the Peace Corps, and in St. Paul, Minnesota. She journeyed to the world of nonprofit work with a job at Minnesota Children's Museum and 13 years ago, she joined Ecolab in the, communi- in the Community Relations Department. Lisa, what is happening on the other end? I heard like a ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. <laughs> it's the dog. Oh. <laughs> I ushered the eight-year-old out to the backyard, but the dog insists on being nearby. It's very itchy. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Lisa, before we start, I'd like to kick off with a question for you. And it's not the one I sent you, just FYI. Okay. (laughs) Are you registered to vote? Yes, I am registered to vote. Absolutely. All right. So you're all ready to go to vote in the fall election? Yes. Actually, I signed up for mail-in voting a long time ago. So I did the the primary that way. Mm -hmm. And then all of the hoopla around the postal service happened and I panicked and I called my coworker whose uh, husband actually works for uh, the secretary of state. And I said, what are we doing about this? What should I do? How do I make sure my vote counts? And she said, well, you know, um, you could always go down to the elections office and get your absentee ballot in person, vote right there and turn it in. I said, okay, so now I need to decide is it, you know, I have three options. I can mail it in and hopefully the post office won't lose it. I don't think that they will. Uh, I can go in person to the elections office or I can cancel my absentee ballot and actually go in person and line up the day of uh, voting. So I have to figure out, you know, is the line gonna be longer at the elections office and safer or 
uh, on the day of voting at the poll. So. so you actually have a couple of other options as well. You have early voting where you mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. So pick one of those dates as well to vote in person. And then in the show notes for this episode, I will also link resources to track your ballot. So that if you're worried about that, um, you can follow it and make sure that it actually makes it there. And I did that for the primaries because I, as soon as I got my ballot, I mailed it in with the like five envelopes you have to nest on into each other (laughs) for security purposes. And then um, like I had used my license number as my identifying ID. And then I went onto the website and put that number in and I I could track it. So yes, thank you for reminding all of us about that. Yeah, no. So that's going to be the question with all my interviews going forward. Just by the time this gets published, it'll probably be mid-September, early October. And I want to just be another, another voice out there saying, please vote. Um, I'm personally voting for Joe Biden um, because I think that he is the right leader for right now. Um, Or at least the best, I don't want to say the best one on the table, even though it is kind of how I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that he has the right amounts of empathy. And he also is somebody who seems rooted in connecting with others very authentically. Um, And I think that that's the kind of leadership I would like to see. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. So not that you have to say who you voted, who you're planning on voting for (laughs) publicly, but um, I just want to tell people like, you know, and I would also encourage you to get involved in your community elections. I know that if you're based in Minnesota, um, there's Outfront Minnesota and they endorse candidates at all sorts of levels. And they're kind of who I follow for my like ballot because they're a gay rights organization. So since that's an issue, like I say, like I probably vote on like one or two issues and LGBT rights is one of them. So I follow their endorsements as well to help inform the rest of the ballot. So find organizations like that where you live and get informed, get excited. Um, You can make change through votes and then register other people in your community to vote and work to end voter suppression wherever you live. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So Lisa, you and I have known each other for, I I would say we've known each other really well for about two to three years, Mm -hmm. but I met you when I first started at Ecolab um, in 2015. So I want to start off like in, in 2015 is when I really started coming out professionally and I was I've always been out at work um since I graduated from my undergrad but was that always the case for you or like when when did you start identifying yourself in public and then what did that look like for you mm-hmm. well I came out in my mid-20s uh first my family and, um, but publicly it was more of like a slow reveal and I have to be honest, <laughs> think back so many years now, um, trip down memory lane. So I was teaching when my wife, Megan and I got married and I'll just say it wasn't legal, but we still got married outside under a big tent, 200 guests, just think father, of the bride type thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so not long after that, I got my first teaching job and I was out to my office partner and I say office partner because we were young teachers uh, just starting out and we, there wasn't, there weren't enough classrooms for all of the teachers to have their own classrooms. So we had little carts where we migrated from room to room and we shared, we shared an office and we became really good friends. And I, um, yeah, so, so she knew, but I wasn't out to like the rest of my, my colleagues, many of whom, um, were much older than me. I worked in a special reading program and just from what I knew about them, I just knew that I might not be received the same if I shared everything about myself with them. So I did, I did, um, I did withhold. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know how many years into, and I didn't teach, this is at middle, a middle school. I didn't teach super long time at that middle school, but Mm -hmm. I think towards the end of that tenure, we had, um, an LGBTQ plus group. Ironically, that my wife at started, your school. Well, at our school, that was started by a local high school that actually my wife started. Um, helped start. <laughs> there was a there was a, a gay straight alliance. She helped to start, which kind of dovetailed with the starting of the the office of equity, or I can't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. It had some catchy catchy name, mm-hmm. um, but I I was interested in having them provide resources at our middle school because I was like, of course, our kids need, I know there are kids here that need the support and everybody needs to learn to be supportive or ally Mm -hmm. of their LGBTQ plus um, students and staff. So um, I guess, you know, that was just kind of, I still wasn't out to anybody, but they saw that I was very much being an ally. Yeah. And and then can I ask you a follow-up question? Mm-hmm. When did you change your last name? I changed my last name. So after when I started working, I, after I was de- uh, did a stint teaching, I went to go work at Minnesota Children's Museum. Okay. And that's when we had our first child. Mm. And we changed our name, I think, right before we had her. Actually, the impetus for changing our name was because we were sick and tired of making travel reservations. And on airplanes, they would separate us because we had different last names. And so they figured, oh, you're not together. We can just put you in whatever seat you want. But this is before you could pick your own seats. You know, now you can go in and select and coach which seat which seats you want. But really, or, just, like, or just say to them, we're together. Yeah. Put us together. Yeah. So... So, um, yeah, so we hyphenated our, our last name, I think, right before she was she was born because we wanted to make sure there was going to be any kind of misconception that we were actually a family because mm-hmm. we may have not really been legally considered a family. So this was mm-hmm. one way to enable that. At the school, it, you weren't as out. You were just really aligned with that group. And at that time, you were, you know in your life, the way that you were practicing your life, married to Megan, was there any fear that people would find out that you were married and to whom and have reactions to that rather than you controlling the story? Yeah, I definitely think there was, there was fear. Uh, I, like I said, especially with the, my immediate coworkers who were Mm -hmm. significantly older than I like nearing retirement age, 
number of them. It was like four or five of us in this teaching group. And I didn't want to jeopardize my working relationship with them. Yeah, certainly I was, you know, and maybe I was thinking of myself too highly. Maybe they would not have cared. I didn't give them the right, you know, I didn't give them that opportunity to, to, um, you know, be accepting. I just assumed that they weren't, that's not really fair when I, when I look back. Well, yeah, but you, you also have to protect yourself in those situations. I think, especially if, if I'm thinking about the timeline, correct, we're thinking around, you know, 2000 to 2005, like that range of years. Yeah. Yep. I mean, what I'm thinking is like, you, you just have to do so much. You just have to protect yourself so much. I had discussed this with some of my classmates last night where you, as a, minority person, while it may not be right for us to stereotype others based off of their actions and their words. For example, one of my classmates mentioned that they're a Christian, specifically Mormon. And my interactions with this classmate over the last couple of weeks has, have been more carded because I just don't know because I'm like, oh, Mormon? Like... I don't know how you feel about the gays. I definitely <laughs> already said that I'm here as a gay person mm-hmm. and very out and proud. And I'm definitely very aligned with that community. And last night we finally got to a point where we were discussing um, leadership principles. And he was like, Hey, I just want to explicitly say like, I am pro LGBT rights. I know that being Mormon, that doesn't always go hand in hand. And I was like, thank you so much for saying something because you know, for my own security and safety, I have found that as a barrier in our relationship. Mm. So while you may say, like, I didn't give them the opportunity, it's also, like, they're not giving themselves the opportunity to know you. Because it's obvious that, like, if somebody bothered to, well, not bothered, but if somebody's committed to creating a deep relationship with you, like you did with your roommate mm-hmm. I don't know, your classroom office mate office mate <laughs> um obviously you came out to her and you were out about your life with her so I think there is some sort of signaling that you were picking up on and I just want to say like I think you you did the best that you could with the information you had <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and I think towards the end of that tenure I'm just thinking back again so many years it's hard for me to remember that's okay um, <laughs> like other like I've like there were some other teachers I worked indirectly with where I feel like I got to know them more personally and I'm mm-hmm. like oh yeah she did you know I remained friends with her after I taught there or connected with her and like, oh, sure yeah. so she did at some point like it was safe for me to like informally you know, share with her um, versus I can share kind of like my formal coming out that I did <laughs> um, like at Ecolab, um, yeah. which, was, which was very um, uh, purposeful. And I, I don't think I really realized what I was doing, but, I, and I think it's worth sharing. So when I started working at Ecolab, my boss was fantastic because she had been instrumental in obtaining domestic partner benefits at the company. And I think in the back of her mind, she was like, it would be great to have Lisa come and work here. We had worked together before. Um, is she still there now? She's still there now. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. It is awesome. I mean, also, it's just set, I think it just set the ground 
for the company in thinking um, more holistically about things that they should be doing in order to attract and retain, you know, quality employees, such as myself, if I could say. Um, <laughs> and I think that there's also the sense that it's the right thing to do, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All about that. So I was comfortable in my immediate work group being out and sharing um, about myself. and But that was about it. You know, I didn't offer any extra information when people were chit-chatting before or after meetings. And I, I don't think I had my family just to kind of avoid in case anybody would drop by and ask and create an uncomfortable situation. Like, no, that's not my sister. That's my wife. For um, <laughs> so, the record, you and your wife do not look like you can hear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so I had been invited to be part of a program called the Inclusion Change Partners, which was at the very beginning of Ecolabs, like diversity and inclusion, like formal movement, where we went through a lot of training so that we could work in turn to train other um, coworkers through this like pod system, like how yeah. to be authentic at work and bring your best self to work and all of those. And we went through this activity where we were introducing ourselves, we were asked to use descriptors, roles, titles, like, um, you know, hi, my name is Lisa. I, I'm a mathematician. I'm a horse rider. I'm a motorcycle rider. I'm a sister. I'm a wife. I'm um, a daughter. And um, then I, th I threw out, I was like, lesbian. And I just kept talking. And I'm a dancer. And I'm a world traveler, I'm an ex-Peace Corps volunteer. And I think that the room, like everybody stopped breathing. That's how it felt to you. And that's how it felt to me, right? And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't think, I, I think I, when I look back at that situation, I remember preparing myself to, okay, what are you gonna say about yourself? And I don't remember if I thought in my preparation that I would say lesbian, but when I got up there, I was like, oh, I probably should, because this is a like this is all about being authentic in ourselves and accepting mm -hmm. each other. So mm -hmm. I threw it out there. And afterwards, a number of people came up to me and said, wow, you are so brave that you shared that. And one person said, I actually thought you said thespian. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still know this this person very well. And oh, we just giggle about it. Um, that that brought some levity to the situation. Um, yeah, I was I was really scared. I was sweating. I was shaking. Um, you know, I, I was like, "What did I just do?" But I, but I knew that I that I had to do it. And I would say that that was um, it opened up a lot of other doors for conversation throughout the whole. I think it was a nine month training process that I went through. Where I we I had some really fantastic personal and professional um, you know growth opportunities um because i put myself out there um yeah. to, de to declare that so yeah it was it was scary but um it, it was worth it well and i what i love about that is i feel like that's been reflected back in my experience at ecolab as well um where having the courage to be authentically yourself and to really act on your values every day especially when they tie into the company values i think that that's when you can really see there's just nothing stopping you you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so 
And I also want to speak to your participation in that program. Because I'm sure that there are people who were in that room who were like, yeah, thespian. (laughs) Or like they heard lesbian and they were like, interesting. And they like went about their day and then like registered or like, because like you're in a space where people are like there to learn to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. So if anything, they're like, well, that's, that's different. Mm -hmm. They like probably didn't even think that much about it, but like the fact that you had such a strong emotional and physical reaction to it just speaks to how, what a big deal that was for you. Mm -hmm. And also like 13 years ago, I mean, so you had had your eldest, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She was in preschool. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) So like you were very gay. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means. I'm just me. Like it's not like, it's not like you're unpartnered on your own. Like you had like a wife Mm -hmm. who had the same last name as and a baby like and a child like not even a baby but like a whole human like (laughs) but a personality and so it's just like and the fact that you were still fearful like just really in like thinking about how privileged i was to kind of come into the workplace you know not that long after only because that would have been like what oh eight oh nine yeah yeah like so like six years later, I came in and I was just like, yep, bisexual. I date men and women, like everyone in between, like deal with it, you know, and it wasn't an issue at all. And I didn't feel fear. And that's awesome because that was part of my, I think my goal in being involved in the the inclusion change partners work, as well as the employee resource group was to help combat that feeling of fear that people would have. And I think the company did a great job of that, not only related to people's, you know, sexual orientation, but can you speak up and share, you might have a different idea about how to approach that problem, or let's use this way of doing the mathematical equation and the spreadsheet and the finance person, obviously, like, why can't we approach it this way? So I think that the company worked very hard from very, from many different avenues and ways to to really create that culture of belonging. And like, we want you to be yourself, bring your ideas, be who you are. Mm-hmm. We're going to be better for it. Yeah. And of yeah. course it's a huge company. So I think that this is still an evolving framework that yes. they're still working through. Um, but I, I'm excited. I think that you have a lot of really great people who are still very excited about that work. So around the time that you came out, you were also asked to take on a very big task, which was to start an employee resource group. So can you tell me about how you started it and what gave you the courage to go through with it? Yes, it's actually very simple. I mean, the setup is uh, my boss called me into her office and said, hey, I just got a call from, you know, the this person in HR who's heading up this diverse, you know, all of our diversity inclusion stuff. And uh, somebody wants to start a LGBT, I think back then we called it GLBT. Uh, yeah, that's a very Midwestern Minnesota acronym. 
And I like it better. It like sounds nicer in my mouth. <laughs> and I, I, I've heard, somebody I was recently speaking to from the HRC was still using, starting with the GLBT. And I thought, huh, well, you know, doesn't matter, <laughs> but um, does not. <laughs> does not. So she, um, she said, would you be interested? And I just, I'm in a position where I have a great boss who allows me to be myself at work. And why would I not want to help perpetuate that? So everybody else feels that way when they come to work. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So <laughs> I met, I was like, I don't know what this is. You were sweating saying that you <laughs> spend the next decade of your life working on this. Um, yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, oh, we already, there were already other few other we call them associate networks a women's associate network that I was a part of so I kind of understood mm. you know what they were about and I was like oh yeah this would be this would be good I mean I don't really know how to do it but we'll figure it out so I met with the other person who was in IT at that point who had a lot more knowledge around LGBTQ plus rights and policies within within a company and basically he had said I was reviewing my own employee benefit packet and I thought, and he, he said to himself, I thought, this is really not very inclusive. I know, I know Ecolab actually has some of these policies and benefits that are inclusive for um, LGBTQ plus people, but we're not listing it or portraying it properly. Mm. So we started there. It was kind of like, okay, we're going to go after, we had a partner in HR, let's go after some of these policies and also in tandem, this will help us to be a better, um, you know, workplace overall. And we have the corporate equality index, we, we should be filling out. And then we want to do also an employee resource group. So we can, you know, be a support to our employees internally and, you know, see, see where that goes. So there off we went. And this is all in addition to you know, continuing to grow your family, continuing to level up in your career. Um, so I want us to take mm -hmm. a quick break and to, and then after the break, we'll talk about some of the struggles that come with leading a group like that for over a decade. Sounds good. All right. Now that we've both taken a water break, let's get back into it. When I came into the company in 2015, Pride was still going strong. Um, you had been leading that group for, at that time, going on five years. What were some of the struggles that you faced in that early time before I joined the company? And how did you decide to continue being a leader all the way up through this year where you celebrated your 10-year anniversary? So the first, when an ERG starts, it's usually, and I think especially, um, was that 2000, 2009, sorry. It was just a few, it's very grassroots, right? So you didn't have, it wasn't like a big executive initiative. We're signing all of these people and all of these people are managing these people. It's really from, <laughs> from the ground up. So it was really like two people, um, which is a little daunting in a huge company. Like, all right. And we certainly had support and resources you know, to, to get the word out. And, and we had a small, and I, I don't have the, you know, the history of the membership. Now we're over 400 members, but I bet, you know, the first year we were under a hundred. Um, we did purposely launch it as a global ERG because we knew we didn't want to leave anybody out. 
And we didn't want to go through and tell you the truth, the pain of like trying to like relaunch globally. Like, let's just make it everybody's invited. That's what we're about anyway. Um, so there was a challenge also that then you didn't, even though we were at the global headquarters in St. Paul, we're, you know, we're casting the net wide. And so we had a sprinkling of members, you know, here and there and no real critical mass that we could physically see. So I think a lot of times we felt we were very small and, and I think there was still some of that fear out there that people, can they really be themselves at work? Because when you signed up for pride initially, you had the option to check a box if you wanted to be a confidential member. And then we went through a particular process of when we would send out information or appointments, we would do it. So those people's names wouldn't show up. Mm -hmm. You'd be happy to know, as you know, that we have since done away with that. We really feel there's no need. We even checked with the people who initially had signed up many years as confidential, like, we're going to take this away. Does this make you worried? We didn't hear anything. Everybody was like, no, that's fine. <laughs> so that's it. That's, yeah, that's great. We moved, we moved the dial on that. So I think it was, some of it was just like, are we out here? Kind of, it's just like the gay people. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of members who were allies who I think just joined out of solidarity. My son is gay. My sister, my nephew, my uncle. My coworker, my right, my coworker, right, and so they wouldn't necessarily come to events or participate, but they were there in numbers and just say, "Yeah, we support this," which you know mm-hmm. has has some value, but um, but I think we and certainly I think we've gotten after that since you arrived on the scene to <laughs> to really um, you know improve that improve that engagement. So I think those were some of the the challenges at at the beginning, we just felt we were small and just like, you know, anybody be willing to to join us and stick their neck out there to be the other gay people along with us. Mm -hmm. Um, So then what a change, what a change to now where like, I feel like the leadership team is so much more fleshed out. People really understand their roles and there's so many new ideas coming into the group that I know that when I left, I felt very confident that I was leaving the group in very solid hands. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel like, you know, we have, we've grown, as you know, where we, you know, we now have a governing body over the, you know, the different chapters of the employee resource group. And so um, we continue to, to expand in that way, which just brings more leaders in who then mm-hmm. get more experience. You know, being, in, I'll just plug, being involved in the employee resource group is great on the job development for anybody mm-hmm. out there listening. If you have the support of your boss to do that, it does take time, um, you know, out of your work day. So you have to make that arrangement, but it is really great for making connections and leadership development and heck, even managing a budget if you don't normally manage a budget in your, in your regular day-to-day job. So um it's a stretch opportunity for sure yeah yeah that's that's a great way of saying it so i do feel um you know your your question that you had you know you had me think about is like yeah what you know you were you didn't want to leave this group because you're afraid it would would stop without you and i you know i think like well first of all i shouldn't flatter myself that much because we know (laughs) that and we've seen it even in ergs you know and, and when you were at Ecolab, that there, there's kind of an ebb and flow. And sometimes it does, like a particular lead leaves the company or they get a new job assignment and they can't be involved with the ERG because of bandwidth issues at the moment. 
Um, and there it might be kind of a lull, but there's always, we now have, you know, the system support for diversity inclusion team to say, hey, well, our leaders of the company feel this is really important. Who is our next leader? So I do know now that, you know, should I get like, win a million dollars and I can move to New Zealand and live with all the sheep, that pride will continue um, without without my leadership. There are other people there who will carry the torch. I'm absolutely confident, even though every time I mention like, you know, it's probably time for me to like give somebody else an opportunity. Everybody's like, no, 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 no. You guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be leaving. I'll still be here. But, you know, at some point, it's somebody else needs to have this fantastic opportunity and bring the group into the its next decade. So, um, yeah. And yeah. I do want to mention as part of this, because I feel like maybe I didn't state this as explicitly, but when Pride was growing, especially over the last five years, the entire, and like, especially, no, let's just go back all the way 10 years. When Pride was growing over the last 10 years, it was part of this larger corporate movement to really boost up and support ERGs. Mm -hmm. I think ERGs at this point in corporate culture are becoming more important than ever as businesses see them not only as like clubs, but as resources for them to tap into to understand their employees, their customers, and the areas in which they live better. Yes, absolutely. And and so when Lisa's talking about the support, um, it's not only support from having more employees being interested and being willing to be out, which I think really happened after the Supreme Court case in 2015. But in addition to that, there at Ecolab, there was a big restructuring like three-ish years ago where they really said, we want to really invest in these leaders and we want to make this a more structured um, place to develop talent and to have these voices be heard. And so I think like it's, it's all these different things coinciding that have created the big changes that you are a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And some of those big changes, such as ensuring that, we have our corporate equality index filled out every year, ensuring that we, you know, sponsor HRC at increasing levels of sponsorship, being the leader of Pride for so long, being really instrumental in making sure that Ecolab was participating in local um, Pride events, not only in the Twin Cities, but in Naperville as well. Um, you were a huge part of all of that. And that is why you won the Business of Pride Award from the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal. When did you find out that you had been nominated and won? I had to go, I had to go back and look and, and look at the dates because it was, some of this happened um, at the end of March. So we were already working from home. The kids were on their third or fourth week of spring break. because well, so you were back in teacher mode. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were trying to figure out everybody living and working and schooling from home. And it was an email and say, hey, you've you've won this award. And I will just say you can't see it, but it's a very pretty award because the word pride is written on it in like rainbow curly cue letters. I I see it at my my basement desk here. 
um, at home. And uh, yeah, I had no, I did not know I was being nominated. I was very surprised and honored. Uh, it was a coworker of mine within my community relations department. I found out who had put it together. I know she had reached out to other people. Mm-hmm. Probably you. Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> me of, you accused me of nominating. I was like, uh-uh. That was not me. It was somebody who knew you. Because I think the reason why I never did it, or I, first of all, I didn't know about it, but your coworker, because I know who it was, and they were so great at really encapsulating all of the work that you were doing in community relations and all of the fantastic work you do on that front in addition to pride. And that is what truly makes you so special. Oh, well, well, thank you. And um, it was great actually when I got the, you know, there was like a paper publication they sent as well. And so I was able to spend some, some time not stuck on my screen. Like we spent so much time doing like reading, paging through and reading through the other um, people who won the awards. And it just runs a gamut. And a lot was, it was really great because a lot was just about like, yeah, you know, this is, this person happens to be gay and they do this fantastic job volunteering or, you know, or, you know, their work in the, the Twin Cities community. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes it was specifically, you know, geared back also towards, um, you know, supporting the LGBT community as well. Um, but it was, it was, it was really, it was lots of fun. I learned a lot. Met some new people on LinkedIn. <laughs> and then what did it feel like when you had found out? Like, what was that emotion that ran through? Uh, well, first it was, I was, well, I was very surprised. I was like, what? And it's a fairly new award. This might be the third year mm-hmm. that they're they're doing it. Um, so I had known about it, but I hadn't really taken a close, a close look at it previously. Um, so... Yeah, I was, again, I was just very, I was very honored and and flattered mm-hmm. um, because, you know, when we go about our lives and just do the work of our lives, um, you know, I don't necessarily think about the impact. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm trying to do good. Like, I want to, I'll, you know, I want to make the world a better place. That's my, you know, that's my, my motto. I'll give it to give it to um, Paul Wellstone, you know, we all do better when we all do better. So that's what I'm up to. Um, but you don't, like, I don't sit and like, look at my, my CV all the time. Like, wow, look at all the things that I've done. Or, you know, I try to keep it up to date, but I just open it up. Oh yeah. I should probably add that to it. I close it and I, and I keep going. So I guess like, it, again, it's just really flattering that, you know, from the outside, this coworker was like, yes, we should definitely nominate Lisa for this. Let's, Let's um, you know, let let's share with the review committee the, the great things we think that she that she is doing. So um, yeah, it's just it's very it's very humbling. I I would never make a great movie star. I don't want people to like you know clap for me and put me up on a pedestal. <laughs> How'd I convince you to do this then? <laughs> I know. Well, I really like you. You're a very good friend. <laughs> Uh, yes, guilt. That is how I get all of my guests. Um, so as you think about what you, and like, of course, COVID messes a lot of stuff up, but like, where, where are you at now? Like, 
you have one, your oldest is, you know, go, is in high school and your youngest is in middle school and yeah, he's now he's just in third grade. What? Oh, I forget. There's such a big gap. Yeah. I, I always think they're much closer in age. I'm sorry. That's okay. So your oldest is in middle school and your youngest is in elementary and you've been leading pride for 10 years at Ecolab. What's next for you? I love this question. I, I'm not always a great planner. So like I said, because I just kind of like go along and like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And then let's do that. So but this that's is, why it, we work so well together. <laughs> right? It's not always so great. Um, <laughs> no, but this is a conversation that you know, I do have with my, with my boss. And, you know, we both talked about there are other opportunities for growth and development. You know, pride has been been great being involved with the ERG. Well, there are other ERGs. Yes, there are. And so, you know, what is, are there opportunities there for me to learn more about, you know, that group and kind of how their business resource group or the community mm -hmm. within Ecolab? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's really important for all of us to do. You know, we talk a lot about allyship and I know people, you know, have some discussion about, well, that's not, a, you know, being an ally isn't enough, but I think being an ally is where you start so that you can understand before you move into action. Mm -hmm. um, there are opportunities, you know, recently I had the uh, opportunity to join the board of directors for the James Sewell Ballet. So there are, that's a whole new uh, endeavor being a little bit more externally involved out in the community. So I'm looking forward to what I learned from that experience and who I meet there. Um, and I always have, as far as like my, my day job versus my gay job, and I took that from Target, by the way, so I'll quote them. Um, there, I have, you know, I always have a long list of things that I, you know, I want to do more and learn more and try this and try that. So um, there's, there's always plenty to, to keep me busy. <laughs> I just have to, I just have to stay focused and that, you know, I want to be able to do, do a good job and not be too, too scattered around. So yeah, so we'll see. I love it. You know, when you're talking about the other ERGs, I'm just thinking, well, you, you'll never forget your first. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, Lisa, thank you so much for doing me a huge favor and joining me on The Career Queer. So I always let people promote themselves, but some, some people like to promote causes or other things that they're really passionate about. What, what do you want to promote? Oh, that's a great question. Two things I'm trying to promote for myself, and maybe this will just inspire others, is one, like I talked about, just the like learning, like taking a little bit of time each day or each week, whatever, to do some reading or listening about someone who's different than you, you know, um, and there are many different ways that we are different from each other, different religion, different ethnicity, different so, parts of the world. What, what um, did you learn this week? Uh, well, I was listening to your your previous podcast with your with your your friend who had, was wanting to be a priest, and I was like, very different experience growing up Catholic, as I shared during during our break, where they were saying that they found so much solace in you know being in the Catholic Church and the rituals and the music and the sound and the prayers, and for me, that's horrifying. 
it's it's all rote and it's it feels empty and meaningless to me and so i just i laughed a lot when i heard that because it it had me it had me just like it's like relax lisa like you know this is this is this is wonderful that this individual has that place to go to feel mm-hmm. like a big hug around you we all have those ritualistic things that give us that you know that soul hug um and so it's okay if it's religion <laughs> right yeah so that's that's what i've been learning that's what i've been learning this week um and then the other thing is you know when we're when we're able to you know give of our you know it's, it's hard during covid our talents to volunteer or our treasure to support a cause um and part of this comes from my work in community relations that, you know, whatever we can, whatever little we can do makes a difference. Uh, and certainly you want to do it safely and you want to make sure it's vetted, you know, make sure you're, you're using the resources that are available online, you know, charity navigator and such to make sure that you, that the organizations you consider giving to are going to use your donations responsibly. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of good work being being done, and so um, you know whatever way you can participate, it it doesn't make a difference. Don't don't think that it doesn't. Think about or like look into the organization's mission and like mm-hmm. do some math to see if their mission is all encompassing enough to take on additional um, right exactly because um, yeah. I think that that was the big issue that. The Minneapolis Bail Fund, and I don't know their actual name, but there is a nonprofit that came under a lot of heat because they received so much in donations, but their mission is so specific that it's we bail people out who went to jail for protesting that once they fulfilled their mission, they still had all this money left over. And the question is like, well, it's partially the responsibility of the foundation to be responsible for the money, but it's also part of the responsibility when you're looking at organizations to donate to, to ensure that you're donating to organizations who need additional cash flow um, and haven't received it yet, or who can handle a big influx of cash like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, do you have one that you'd like to promote? Uh no, or one that you're particularly passionate about? Well, I will just say that um, through all of the, you know, the recent focus on social and racial justice and on top of COVID, um, one thing I, I will say that uh, one cause that I am passionate about, uh, indirectly related, is, um, you know, food security. I think going into the fall and winter, especially the winter months here in the United States in the upper half of the world, um, I think we're going to see the need rise drastically to to scary to scary level. And so um, that's you know I have done some of my you know my giving to support the local organizations that continue to provide um, you know resources for for food. Um, I'm particularly passionate around like healthy food and I want everybody getting Twinkies and I know it gets harder when we're out of the growing season, but there are a number of, you know, organizations that are doing better at kind of getting the fresh produce 
um, to the food shelves. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of need out there, but that's one that I think um, is kind of an under underlying that is always persistent and now is just being is is becoming um, more of a crisis. Absolutely. Term. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So find your local mutual aid fund, your local food bank, and organizations that are doing that really important work. And uh, Lisa, if you want to send me over a list, I'm happy to include a couple in the show notes. All right. If you want to follow me on social media, find me on Instagram and Twitter at The Career Queer. I would love your feedback on the show and your career questions. You can ask via DMs on social media or email me via thecareerqueer at gmail.com. The art for this podcast was done by Tara Craft, my cousin and rising artist. She's based in Seattle, and you can find her on Instagram at TaraCraftArt or Grown Ass Blue. If something about this episode really resounded with you, share it with a friend. Chances are someone out there really needed to hear something from this episode. Until next week, stay strong, stay sparkling, and stay united against injustice. I'll see you next time.